Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hey, this is Matt Beast, the Australian Rollerblading Podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch, and in this episode, we've got a really exciting um, interview where, kind of out of the blue, I've ended up having a chance to chat with, like, the morning star of um, aggressive inline skating, you know, one of the people who was actually the morning star of the rise of rollerblading in any sense at all, um, AJ Action Jackson, um, who started skating uh, when Stranger Things is set, <laughs> um, and uh, and was there as Rollerblade, the brand, and inline skating, the sport exploded. Uh, was there before there was Chris Edwards, before there was Arlo Eisenberg, before there was uh, Sesamora or Alex Broskow uh, or Eugen Enin or uh, Joe Atkinson, there was AJ Jackson and um, we have a conversation about a whole bunch of stuff, uh, where he's been, where he is now um, and his unique perspective on the sport and it's just, it was great, so I hope you really enjoy it too, here we go. So this is a, a great treat to be able to chat with you a bit, man. Well, hey, man, you know, bro, man, a lot of people have been talking about it, man, so you're the first. <laughs> we can go anywhere you want to go because you have so many stories to tell and you were you were there before the beginning, right? I mean, um, you were changing, yeah. changing Chris yeah, Edwards' there. nappy, his diaper, right? Hey. <laughs> you got it, man. I mean, hey, bro, it's, it's it's been a long journey, man. But I tell you, man, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing right now, man. The beginning of a comeback. I hope so. Uh, so tell me about some about those very early days. Were you like roller skater before rollerblader? How did you? How did it begin for you? Well, you know, for me, it began. A very freaky way, you know. I, I I lived in South Central Los Angeles, and you know I was. It was around the height of all the gang activity, and and you know people were getting shot up every night, you know. And I refused to be a, a, a you know, a, a prisoner in my own home. So I found, uh, you know, I I started going to uh, the uh, this ice skating rink in Culver City. Uh huh. Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, my background is skateboarding. You know, I, sca- I started skateboarding when I was a youngster, and that was cool, but you couldn't do anything in the streets because you, you know, you were, you, you were, you know, you can get victimized. So I, I still wanted to skate, so I found ice skating, and, and ice skating is what transitioned me into rollerblading. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, out of all places in South Central Los Angeles, California, man, we don't have no ice <laughs> here. No, no, not, not outside. No, man. So you know, it was destined, man. Uh huh. Were you um Were you jumping on ice skates before you were jumping on rollerblades? It's not so comfortable to land. Man, on. I was. <laughs> I was jumping on ice skates. I was jumping off walls. I was doing wall rides on ice skates, man. 360, 540s. So how long ago is this, roughly? What, what, what kind of times are we talking here? This, this started in eight, 1984. 1984. Wow. Okay. And, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so what were the rollerblades like then? What, what, when, you, when you're strapping on a pair of them? Let me tell you, bro. They Rollerblade name didn't even exist, man. My my first skates came from there was a pair of skates in the window at the shop, and they were ultra wheels. Mm-hmm. They they were super rubbery, super plastic, and the the, the cat Hans Mitzold he gave them to me, and I took them down to Venice Beach where all my bro skateboard man. I started hitting ramps right away, you know, vert ramps, wall rides and stuff, man. Like in eighty four, eighty five. No, uh, uh, 80, 80, 80, 85, 86. Wowzers. So this photo, someone put up a photo just recently of you doing like some kind of judo Japan sort of kick um, with just lace-up skates. Is that, uh, is that a bit later after that? Or is that, that, is that what the skates were looking yeah. like? Lace-up all the way like yeah, that? that, was, that no, that was, that, was, that was after, that was, there was a skate before that and it uh-huh. had four metal frames and a whole bunch of, you know, uh, 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 nuts and bolts. I mean, the skates were heavy. <laughs> so, so the first, so the pair you see is the second generation Lightning. The first Lightnings had white frames and 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 black wheels. Then that one came out with the black frames and the neon. Uh-huh. So that was like eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. Wow. So so were there others? Who, I mean, were there names then of others who were also mucking around on these things? I mean, how? Who, yeah, who was the yeah, who was the gang was, then? Yeah, yeah, there was my boy Doug Doug Boyce. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's definitely one of the founding fathers of this whole damn thing, and nobody even knows him, man, which is a shame. Shout out to Doug Boyce. Big shout out to Doug Boyce, DJ Product from Head PE. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we did we did MTV Sports, man. You know, we we named all those tricks. We named all the tricks that Chris Edwards was doing. So let's talk tricks. So what 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 are some of because some of these tricks, people know the moves, but didn't even know these tricks have a name, right? Like some of these things, you just by the time a lot of me and my friends are, are trying skates in the nineteen nineties, they're just the little things you do while you're skating. But give us some of the the those early trick names that you came up with names for. Well, we had one called the Porch Monkey. <laughs> so what's the Porch Monkey? <laughs> the Porch Monkey is when you go up to a wall, you do a one eighty, you know. Lock in your, your your skate on the on the on the edge of the wall and kick and then three sixty out. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's the porch monkey. That's the porch monkey. <laughs> what else you got? The uh, the crawdad. Yeah. Crawdad was a bird trick, and that was like a that was like a reverse mute. You know, it was crossing across your body uh-huh. with your legs with your legs not closed but open. Uh-huh. And you're grabbing your skate across your body. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the outside of the opposite skate kind of thing. Exactly. Righto. The crawl down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
What else? Some of the flatland stuff, different different kind of moves. Flatland stuff, flatland stuff, man. We 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 had the uh, the the forty ounce. Okay, what's that? That's like going like spit going down real low. One you know one leg up, one leg down. You know like you're in a like a like a rifle combat stance on your knee. Like you're rolling on the back toe, your back back. Like you're rolling on the back toe wheel and, and the front then flat. Front flat. Yep, yep, yep. So you're down like that. Then, then you pivot on the front, one eighty. And then the back foot comes around, sticks out in front of you. Back foot, yeah. 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 Okay. So that's a forty ounce. That's the forty ounce. <laughs> Did you have a name just for the crouch? Uh, no, no. Everything was just one in, one in the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so were you around, so you, you mentioned skateboarders, were you around roller skaters or BMXs as well? I mean, like as you were trying out ramps, who were you, who were you looking at? Who were you copying? Yeah, dude, I was influencing, I was being influenced by, you know, you remember, remember the, uh, the, the uh, skateboard movie that was famous called um, in, in Search of Animal Chin? Yeah, I watched that again the other day. It's so good. <laughs> okay, Ray Barbie and all those dudes, man, were cats that I was skating with back in the day. Ah. And little baby um, uh, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk, who's a bro of mine right now, skating with those guys back in the day. Christian Asoy, yeah. another bro of mine, real good yeah. friend. Yeah. Jeff Hartzell. Yeah, okay, wow. Did you ever skate that crazy ramp at the end of that movie? The, the ramp with the hip and the tunnel and the... Mini... Uh, you mean the one in Upland? It's out in the desert in the movie. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Well, the one I skated, well, definitely I skated the, 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 the full pipe in Upland. Oh, yeah. I skated, I skated the, the nude bowl mm -hmm. in Palm Desert. Uh, you know, I've skated, the, you know, the pools and the fire in, from, uh, uh, from uh, 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 Laguna Beach. So, so what made it blow up? So rollerblading became like the biggest fad ever, you know, and then one of the biggest sports in the world. Could you see that happening? Was there a moment when you went, "Wow, this thing is"? Yeah, yeah. The moment that the moment that changed everything is when Team Rollerblade became a household name. You know, MTV Sports started to regularly show you know skates and 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 celebrities you know start to get onto it. You start to see it in the publications, the mainstream publications. You know, the, you know the TV shows in Living Color. You know, Janet Jackson, you know, I gave her her skates and, <laughs> wow. you know, so I, you know, I knew a lot of celebrities, you know, then the movies came out, you know, uh, Prayer of the Roller Boys, you know, Corey Haim, I trained him for the movie, you know, and then Blade Warriors, a TV show, you know, I pretty much concept that, you know, so that's when, that's when it, that's when it all turned around, man, like 90, 91. And so Rollerblade was doing something right. They were thinking about marketing in a smart way. Well, that was the whole thing, man. If you ever read um, uh, 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 the book by, um, uh, it's called The Tipping Point. Mm -hmm. By know, Malcolm, uh, Ma Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, well, you know, that, that that's one of his things about, you know, his whole thing is about marketing and master marketing and Team Rollerblade. And Rollerblade was, was, you know, in that book as a, as a turning point. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And I was in, and I was in three of those stories, Rollerblade. Converse and Airwalk. I influenced Airwalk and I influenced uh, Converse. Doug Boyce and I were the two guys that Converse used for their like their early 
like their early uh, influencers. Yeah, right. And so, so was that the like I'm trying to remember that book. So, so is the converse story kind of about the actually talking up the product on the kind of the ground on the grassroots level and and. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about how this girl Nadine, you know, how she went and found these, you know, people and all these hipsters and stuff, and you know, made Chuck Taylors, you know, real famous in the urban and mainstream market. But well, we were those, we were that those guys. Yeah, wow. Okay. And what was the Airwalk thing? Airwalk, you know, I knew Tony Hawk, I knew the Airwalk owner, I knew the marketing guys, and you know, so I was just an influencer, you know, influencer on their side. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay. And so Team Rollerblade, that was, that was not, that's not just like what we call now um, aggressive skating or stunt skating, but there was like dance and all sorts of things. Man, we had Team Rollerblade dance. We had Team Rollerblade race team. We had Team Rollerblade um, uh, junior team. We had junior stunt team, junior dance team. You know, we had, uh, you know, a lot of people out there, man, you know, who wanted to be Team Rollerblade. We had companies mimicking Team Rollerblade. Yep. Team Rollerblade, you know, was always yep. like, you know, hey, con contacting Team Rollerblade to be in the movies, to do Disney shows, Super Bowl halftime shows, and Olympics. Yeah, man. Wow. Global. Yeah. You see, I, I, I was the first person to touch Australia with inlines ever, you know, from, from a team rollerblade standpoint of view. There was a sales guy out there, and I came out to, uh, to uh, the World's Expo in 88 in Brisbane, uh -huh. and I performed for a month in front of the, in front of the, uh, in front of the uh, uh, U.S., um, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, tent. And, you know, did vert ramps and skated with, you know, skated with some of the skateboarders and the BMXers out there in Australia in 88. Yeah, wow. So I was at that expo, so I, I probably would have seen you there. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, man. I, was, I don't think I would yeah. have known rollerblades to have known. That, you know what I mean? I don't think I would have, when I, when I was there, I don't think I would have even thought about what I was looking at. Do you know what I mean? When you don't know what you're oh, looking, no, no. You, you just go like, there's, there's guys, no. doing, guys doing tricks, but I don't think I would have... Yeah. Even realized that I was looking at something no. that would become. It was different, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was, dude, it was, yeah, it was. I mean, bro, I used to go down to the West End, man, to go to the underground, man, down there in uh, 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 Christchurch. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. hang out with the roughnecks down there and spin with the DJs in the underground, you know, that's, you know, because I got a music background. Yep. So I don't know how much yeah, you've man. watched, AJ, the, the way in which things have evolved in the last while, but. Um... Uh, it's really interesting, like the early Team Rollerblade with that mix of dance, tricks, streets, stunts, and then, as you know, coming into the 1990s, there was a very decisive decision, especially by um, you know Arlo and so on, to, to to really establish a legitimacy of the street sport, you know, as a you know the aggressive skating. Um, but then it's yeah. interesting, the last kind of 10, 15 years, there's been this merging back and rediscovering of the dance side of things and the flatland stuff and bringing that in together with the aggressive all over again. You know? It's yeah. 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 When, Arlo's, when Arlo came in, they, it, the, uh, the sport was already established. You know, he, he, you know he, what Arlo wanted to do was he wanted to make it to where, you know, it was more like a rebel thing. Yep. You know, like, okay, we're going to call it rollerblading. 
okay, well, that was completely against, against what Rollerblade was trying to promote because, you know, they didn't want to become Kleenex. And yeah. so you had the FRs and the rollerblading and all this stuff, man. And so what it was really doing, it was really counterintuitive, man, you know. And so what happened, the aggressive thing became so upfront that it turned a lot of people off. Even the X Games, that's why they, you don't see them. You know, it just turned a lot of people off and it started to give an inline a bad name. And, uh, you know, because we were punks and we were just like, you know, fruit booters and, you know, I mean, all that stuff. And everybody mm. jumped on the Tony Hawk bandwagon, which propelled skateboarding and then inline just went away. Yeah. And so it needed that time yeah. to re rebirth the stuff because it had such a bad taste in people's mouths, man. Then the scooter craze came in and kids, you know, it was easy, cheaper, you know, they didn't have an extra thing in their closet. So, you know, there was a lot of things against it, which, which, which had to happen anyway because the sport grew so fast that everybody was land grabbing that you know, people didn't even really have any heart and soul behind their companies anymore. Yeah. So how did that feel for you when you were watching those different movements happen? So watching, you know, the kind of the aggressive thing happen and watching the, the massive explosion happen. It's, it's, it's happy but complicated. Is that how it feels? On the one hand, you go, yes, I love this thing. People are hearing about it. On the other hand, you're going, oh, well, are we losing yeah. our heart or something? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, correct, because, see, I'm, I've always been for the long term with things, right? And so when I saw the movement happening, I, I already put the red flag. I said, man, you guys are killing it, bro. You guys need to slow down. And, um, you know, people just kept coming in and buying up all the wheel companies and buying up all the skate companies and the clothing companies. And so this is you, well, you're saying you guys, this is you talking to the suits? Is that? What's that? Is that you talking to the suits when you say you guys? Um, yeah, 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 I'm talking to the suits. Yep. Because this, yeah, the suits came in, and you know, you just had people with money. Rollerblade was selling out to people. You know, it wasn't about the states anymore. It was about it was about you know money, and you know, and I understand that because I'm a businessman. You know, now then then, but it was it wasn't about the skate and the skater anymore. It wasn't about recession. Wasn't about the, you know, Rollerblade stopped their demo program, which was a turning point. Because, you know, we had the demo band and we go out, we put people on skates all over the planet, you know, here in, in America, actually. Yeah. And so yeah. When, it, when you took that away, then you, want, you didn't have anything out there that was birthing people. And so long term, that's bad business. Long term is bad business, man. It's like, you know, a soccer team or a football team cutting its, you know, little league arts training camp and still expecting to have 50 years. Yeah. So it might make sense short term to make a buck, but if you really want to grow the industry long term, that's a tough move. Yeah. You still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're watching that happen. Um, and, uh, you know, when you talk about the, the aggressive thing, um, uh, that's, I mean, that's not necessarily. Arlo or necessarily Chris or necessarily some of the those big names right but it's people who grabbed that and then took it too far and forgot to also be generous as well as tough is that yeah 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 I mean you know you had you know you had like you said you had you know guy Tom from Hyper Wills you know he started buying up all of the distributions you know outside of America and you know now you're controlling what you sell to countries and what you're selling to, you know, youngsters. Because if I if I'm not on his good side or kissing his ass, then, 
you're not in Australia going to get a hardline shirt because you're not going to have anyone distributed. And we didn't have e-commerce back then, and it was too expensive to put in the mail. Yeah. So you know, so so they were they were pigeonholing it to get that you know quick money and not knowing that they were killing it because see you had skaters man in Yugoslavia and you know Romania and Japan and these were dudes who they they were never trying to go to NIST or Olympics or X Games these guys just skated because they loved it but then they didn't have any shops anymore they couldn't get what they wanted so you know so they just left the sport sad. Yeah, it was sad to see, bro. It was really sad to see. So I'm not there wasn't a day, man, that I really enjoyed the early days. And I and I hate myself for that now because, you know, I wish I would have enjoyed that time because it was a good time. But see, I dealt with a lot of racism and a lot of hate. And, you know, it was hard to swallow a lot of days, man. And and, and people didn't know, man. They just thought, Oh, AJ's cool. But I wasn't cool, man. You know, I was getting ripped off and you know, taking advantage of, bro. And I had to dodge those bullets from day one. Man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, don't be sorry, man. It is what it is because that's what makes me strong now. Yeah. Wow, good, man. Um, What are some of the things then in all of that, thinking about with the wheels on your feet, what are some of the things you're most proud of? Are there things you look back on when you were skating with the wheels on your feet? What do you go, that was one of the things I really feel, you know, was a great achievement during the time. Well, I mean, that's a very hard question to ask because I'm grateful for every single, every bit of it, the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. You know, because that's what Moses, man, is the fact that if it's all good, then you know, and so I'm a survivor. And that's, that's, that's the part that's the most amazing to me today is the fact that I'm still surviving and I can, and I can go online and talk to cats like you, man, 30 years later. Amen. You know, I'm 57 now, man, you know. I didn't start skating till I was 25 on inline. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't around. Good on you, man. It's a uh, um, What was I about to say? Oh, um, so uh, before I move into this, I want to chat a little bit about your, you know, how you approach the, um, the kind of uh, emceeing of contests and stuff. And as I come into doing that, I just wanted to pass on. I mentioned I was going to talk to you both to Ian Smith, as I think I said to you, and also to, yeah. to Sessa Mora. And it was interesting. Both of them straight away said uh, the way almost exactly the same sentence. They said, AJ was really good to me, is what they said. And I thought, what a cool thing for multiple people to say about you, to go, here's a person as I'm sort of traveling around the world doing crazy dangerous stuff and go, here's someone who was good to me. So they both wanted to say a big hi to you and express that appreciation of the fact that you were good to them. Well, you know, man, I tell you, bro, um, that's true. You know, I, I, they only see the AJ that they want to see, but the AJ that, that they don't see is a, is a dude, man, that lives this 24-7, man. I mean, I, I eat, breathe, and sleep the things that I do. And for me to meet Sessa and, you know, Ian and those guys, dude, that to me, I was more excited to meet them than they probably were excited to meet me because, you know, it was like a part of me, you know, it was like a, a, a brother, you know, it was that brotherly love, man. It was people that I was, that I admire that took it to a level that I didn't take it to. And that was able to 
you know, uh, eat off the labors of it, that, you know, that, that they can feed their families, man. You know, I mean, that brought so much joy to my life. The people, not, not the skates or the skating or the contest, but the, the people that I got a chance to just embrace it. Wow. Yeah, it's good. So with, with MCing, and this is both to hear your experience, but I think also hopefully we are in a revival. And so hopefully there will be a whole bunch of people who will have to pick up the microphone themselves because they get asked. You know, they get picked as the person who's got away with words and they get said, hey, someone's got to grab the mic during the contest to really make this thing, you know, um, really work. Um, so how did you think about that job? Um, and as a, the bits where I've heard you on videos and I've heard people speak about you, you did that well. How, how do you think about the job of being the man behind the mic during a demonstration or a competition? Well, you know, when I was a child, man, I came up, my parents were really generous in, in taking us to events. Uh -huh. So, you know, so I got a chance to understand what makes a crowd move. And the thing that makes a crowd move is, per, is a person that can, that can really dumb it down enough for, for the most common person to understand what's going on. Being said that, I understood that there's going to be guys out there that have no idea what they're doing and they're going to suck. And those guys, to me, were the most, they were the champions because they let the, they let their guard down and they became vulnerable on that on that surface, man. And they knew they weren't going to win, but they showed up, man. That, that showed a lot of courage. And so those guys, man, is what that that fueled the fire for me to sit three days in a row for eight hours a day and cheer these guys on and call them out and try to make them you know, uh, come off as best as possibly can. And I enjoyed every single run, two, three runs, whatever. And I, you know, I called everybody and I didn't play any favors at all. And so, you know, to answer your question, that's what fueled me, man. You know, you know, it just, it just, it, it just, I was confirmed by Charles Schultz, you know, the inventor of peanuts. He says, Hey man, you, you're good at who you are. You don't have to pretend to be yourself. So I was just being AJ. You know, and AJ was this guy that just liked to see other people smile, period. So that's what that that's that's what really drove me. Yeah. So so you're you're a man who's both I'm hearing someone who's deadly serious and super tough and can do that all with a smile on your face and, and having fun. And I think often lesser men can't do both. Lesser men say to be serious and to be tough means to never smile and never have fun and so so what do you want to say to the right the people out there who are, who are that place? live life is too short man you know enjoy the moment you know we can always have anxiety and, and live in the future or the past but the best time is the present time that that's where that's where you that's where the the the, the true fruits of your labor man are birthed you know consciousness I think it'd be cool to chat a little bit about the brands you've been involved in and, uh, you know, design, all that kind of stuff. But is there anything you want to talk about first uh, before we get to that that we haven't covered in this sort of area of the your experience of, of skating and the, and the rise of skating? Anything we've left out? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, as far as design, you know, when I first saw the skate, the very first time I saw the skate, I already knew that this thing was miles away from being what it could possibly be. So I took the skate, I went down to Venice Beach, I started skating on them, and my ankles were all over the place, so I got duct tape, and I just duct taped my skate. And that <laughs> gave me, you know, that, that, that solid foundation where I can actually do tricks on ramps. 
So I end up meeting Chris Morris and this guy named John. And uh, I told the guy, John, I kid you not, man, this was 1987. I told the guy, I says, bro, in 20 years from now, 10 years from now, there's going to be skate competitions. There's going to be skaters all around the world, man. There's going to be skaters reinventing this sport or whatever. And the guy goes, hey, man, that'll never happen. <laughs> and so I started to go into my R&D phase, man. I started to tinker and I started to break skates down. I started to, you know, look at different ways to put skates together and mold skates. And so I started skating. I started designing for rollerblade. Then I just started, started designing for Bauer. Yep. And then I left uh, Bauer and I started Hardline and I started des designing my clothing line, which is my first clothing line. Yep. And, and uh, you know, from there, it just propelled me uh -huh. now, you know, into what I'm doing now. And now I'm designing, you know, high-end fashion for celebrities and people. And, you know, I got uh, this new technology that's going to be cutting edge coming out, man. And, you know, six months, it's uh, electronic uh, fashion, you know, it's e-textiles where you're smart garments, you know, that's going to help <laughs> save people's lives. How save people's lives? How? Yeah, this, 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 these new garments that I'm making are going to help save people's lives because they're going to have biosensors and, and you know, and uh, like, you know, Fitbit types of things in there to record your vitals and stuff, you know. So if a person is passed out drunk or whatever, just has their basic information that, you know, you can you can swipe via Bluetooth and it'll say this is Charles Smith and he's allergic to X, Y, Z. Don't give him to that because he'll go into convulsions and die. Oh, wow. So when did you start getting into clothing? When Was that always been a fashion, always been an interest? Yeah. Yep, I was born and raised in a fashion house, and, you know, my mom turned me on the Vogue at the age of five. So I started designing my own clothes, man, you know, hardline, man, in 1992. Uh, 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 Yep, so the Hardline I brand is part of the story, right? Yeah, 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 Hardline brand. Yeah. What were you guys doing that was um, it, it was was diff your different take on on fashion then during the nineties? At that time, at that time, you know, urban culture was going through cross colors. You know, the punk scene was still kind of doing what it was doing. You know, rock and roll was kind of doing that whole kind of Melrose rock and roll. You know, death rock and in the grunge era. So, you know, me, I was all about the urban, you know, I was all about, you know, the, the music and, the, you know, that stuff. So we had a baggy look, you know, I was into reggae, I was a Rasta, but we had a lot of the influences by the red, gold, and green. You know, I was, you know, I came, my dad, you know, I was, came up in South Central, so the whole thing there was about Pimp and Ho, you know, so I was, got into the whole kind of hustler, Pimp and Ho thing, but I turned it around, and I turned it around to, you know, because people were getting bullied, and so I was making stuff like slap a hole, bust a nut, and that stuff was about protecting yourself, man. Don't let people beat you up, man. You know, stand up for yourself. Uh -huh. And people were taking like, you know, oh, slap a bitch or whatever. I'm like, no, nah, dude, that's not what it was. But, you know, at that time, you couldn't really tell people. You just had to let them figure it out for themselves. Yeah, okay. So how, how long did Hardline run for? Hardline ran from um, 84 to uh, 2000, and it's just now making its comeback. Yeah, cool. And if people want to see the stuff you're doing now, is there a place yeah. where they can see your work? Yeah, they want, to, they want to see the classics and they want to see the new stuff. You know, it's taking people a little time to adapt to the new stuff because it's very high end and it's expensive. Uh-huh. If people wanted to see what you're doing now, where is there any place where people could see samples of the kind of work you're doing these days? 
Yeah, they can go to uh, the name of my clothing company is called Chaos Unique. That's K A K H A O S Unique dot com. Chaos Unique dot com. Yep, and they can yeah. check out your work these days. Yeah, okay, cool. And, and yeah, and then my tech my technology company is called Reachem R E A C H. Yep. Dash U M. Dot com. Okay. Chaos. Fashion on the edge. Got there. Yeah, bro. You, you see it? Yeah, yeah. I see it. And then reaching technology where fashion and technology collide. There you go. There we go. That's me. That's AJ today. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever roll around today? Got skates? Yeah, man. I got some new skates. I'm waiting for my, my grind skates, man. Rollerblade's supposed to send me some. I called Tom today. I'm I'm, ready, I'm waiting to hit some rails, man, so I can start posting some bids, man. I'll do it. That'd be great. I, I keep trying to um just uh, knock on the door. If you can you could tell Tom in person, but I, I I keep knocking on the door wherever I can with rollerblades and telling him they need to release like the the pink, green, and um and purple TRS Lightning, you know, up to date. Oh, yeah. Up to, use oh, that yeah. use those colors, but just bring all the technology up to date. I think oh, people yeah. would. Snap, I mean, I'd buy a pair and like. Like right now, you know, because uh, oh, yeah. that whole retro well, it, thing is so much a part of what's happening at the moment. That would be hilarious to, well, <laughs> to see those. If, um, yeah. If, if you look on my Facebook page, man, you know that that one shot where you know I'm the Team Rollerblade logo, and I'm I'm doing a I'm doing like a, a grab like a like a grab, you know, in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, uh, in the Rockies, in the rocks, yep, in the like in the dunes. But those those are those skates. Yeah. I need to bring them back, man. I need to bring that colorway back, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's that's what we were doing, man. You know, Rollerblade helped with the, um, along with the uh, cycling market to really establish that neon, man, back in the 90s. That yeah. was us. Yeah, yeah. Neon green wheels, too. <laughs> yeah, man. Pink you knee know? pads. <laughs> I mean, dude, we were doing it back then, yeah. bro, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, you, you could you could tell Tom. You can say that we need them back. We need the t classic TRS Lightning. Bring that back. Put it on a whatever a Solo or a Swindle or whatever they're using now. Uh, bring it back. Um, they yeah. got they got my money. <laughs> yeah. Um, one one other thing. While I've got you, brother, I really have appreciated this. It's been it's it's an amazing opportunity. But um, uh, I, I'm just keen to hear. Um, uh, because because you shared that crossover point with Chris Edwards, who is you know another great of the early days. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, anything you want to share about watching uh, Chris's star rise? You know when you began to see because because he was, I mean, is like a giant of the sport. You know, and and was there a point when you could really see that um, that there was something special there? Oh yeah, well right off the bat, man. You know, I mean, you know, we were young and we were, you know, envious of each other. Everybody was like, "Oh man, I can do this and do it better." But the reality, man, is Chris Atwood was the first youth. Well, actually, him and Jimmy Trimble. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people they discount Jimmy Trimble, but Jimmy Trimble, do you know him? Uh, I'm not sure if I do. No, see, yeah, you need, you need to look. His name is Jimmy Trimble. You need to look uh -huh. him up on 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 the Facebook. Yeah, okay. This guy, man, him and Chris, they came, they yeah, they came from the same, the same era, same stuff. And Jimmy was actually younger. Mm -hmm. And when Jimmy and Chris came in, they came in with a whole nother style, a whole nother way of looking at things than than myself. You know, I was a little older, and so I had you know street and 
punk and all that stuff where they came in and they were more like you know the kids and they they just that all they thought was you know skate that was it you know i'm thinking skate and go smoke a puff or join and hang out with some ladies you know where they were just skate. yeah and so you know and then they were just they were really bur- you know even though chris dance and jimmy dance you know but they were really like the first the first wave of just like aggressive skate and so they took the sport to another level man and you know, they, they allowed us to build them up, Doug Boyce and I and Pat Parnell. They allowed us to, you know, to, to really nurture them. And I saw, and I knew Chris was special and Jimmy. I knew they were special right off the bat because, see, they were doing stuff that was innovative. You know, Chris was the airman. You know, he could go harder than anyone, me included. And the guy was doing it, you know, right off the bat. He was doing what he did, you know, and it was cool. So but shout out to Jimmy hard, Trimble you know, as well. Shout out to either. Doug Boyce. Shout out to Jimmy Trimble. Pardon? Shout out to Jimmy Trimble as well as Doug Boyce. Yeah, man. Lesser known names. Yeah, okay. Oh, most definitely. Big time, bro. Big, yeah, man. Those are the dudes. And then one more dude, uh-huh. Eric Schumacher, which nobody knows. Yeah, right. This dude, man, he was just like, he was Kurt Cobain on skates. He was just crazy grind. <laughs> uh, seriously, man. I mean, that dude was street hard. He slept under cars. Yeah, right. Skate. And, and him and Doug Boyce, they came from the vert roller skating era. Yeah, okay. That was crazy, those guys, skating sideways on their roller skates on ramps. You know, people don't know that, man. You know, inline is influenced by the roller skate, skateboarding, surfing, yeah, gymnastics. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Hey, look, I think we've got some really good stuff here, AJ. Uh, I, I hope it's not the last time uh, the, uh, the rollerblading community gets to hear your voice speaking into the 21st century. Well, you know, man, hey, bro, thanks to brothers like yourself, you know, Mickey, and, you know, I'm grateful, bro, and, you know, it's, it's, it's time. It's been long enough. It's been dormant long enough, and it's just time. Yeah, well, my, my kids are all into it and, and loving it, and... Uh, there's now people with skate parks who don't even know what to call it. You know, the kids, they go, they just don't know the difference between a roller skate and an inline skate and a, what, it's just new and interesting and fascinating and it's great. So, so I, I hope more and more people will, will see it for the potential it has and yeah, a whole new, whole new era and a sustainable, solid foundation, you know, uh, for, for yeah. many, many years to come. It, you know, it, it's inevitable. And, you know, the thing that makes it inevitable that I absolutely love more than anything ever in the skate world is the fact that people can go and be that positive person that they are. You know, you see people coming out with backbend costumes and skating or tutu dresses or whatever. <laughs> well, that's them. That's that's like their sub, that's their sub person. And I saw that, man. I was like, oh, man, look at this person and, what, and how they see what inlines do to them. You know, they would never come out to the beach and dance or whatever. But I saw that. I saw the transformation in people and how they were once they put those skates. It's great, isn't it? It's awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate it again. I I do feel um, honored to be able to um, have a conversation with you. I appreciate what you've done in the past and look forward to see what you'll do in the future, AJ. God bless, man. I look forward to it, man, and just let me know when you're going to run a story and so I can see it and share it. Of course, I will do. Cheers, man. Cheers, Mike. See ya.
Bye-bye. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.